downtown Peckle Park, a new beginning. Let's go. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Baby said she wanna go to the game. Taught her how to say Padre gang. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Mitchell and Ness with the old school name. All of the homies holler Padre gang. Yeah, that. And good day, everybody. Welcome to episode 100, excuse me, episode 200. I was, I'm, I'm in, stuck in the 100 episode range. Episode 200 of the Talking Fires podcast and YouTube show. Brought to you by Gaglio and Bro's famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries. I'm your host, Ben Fadden. Coming to you after the San Diego Padres dropped their series finale against the Diamondbacks. They won the series. They took two out of three. That's the good news. Uh, but the bad news, obviously, was what happened today. As I'm going live here on YouTube on a Sunday night, um, the draft's going on right now. Padres lost 3-1 to one today. Mike Clevenger pitched really, really well, but the offense just didn't show up. I mean, Luke Voigt hit a home run, but there were 12 Padres batters that were retired in a row. Uh, you know, in the third, Profar had a leadoff double, and then he was stranded. Uh, Clev did his job. Mazzara made a good catch in the first inning to prevent a run. Uh, Clev loaded the bases uh, with the seventh strikeout uh, of the day. Got out of that bases loaded jam, right? That was good. Um, So he pitched well, six innings, one earned run, four hits, eight strikeouts. Arizona was 0 for 9 with runners in scoring position. But the offense was the problem, and the bullpen didn't help. But you score one run, it's hard to win that game. Obviously, you have to win one nothing. And yeah, Clev gave up that one home run to David Peralta. But he that's a game that he deserves to win. And that's a game where he deserves run support. Like I feel like there's sometimes this year where he's actually gotten more run support when he's given up more runs. Uh, which sucks. Uh and so the Padres are fifty two and forty two after today's loss, uh, after this series win. As for the bullpen, and usually I go in a chronological order, I, so, you know, Friday through Sunday, but today's game just happened, uh, and so I just figured to start off the episode just talking about today's game. And, um, you know, with the bullpen situation, the bullpen decisions by Bob Melvin, I disagreed with him bringing in Mackenzie Gore in that seventh inning. Um, I was fine with him going to the bullpen then, but Gore... You put him in the pen. I said on the pregame show today, I thought that it would be best for Gore to just have rest and not go, not pitch, rest the arm, because that last start that he made before he was sent to the bullpen, when he was talking to the media postgame, he just did not feel like he was ready to continue pitching through the All-Star break. Like It, it sounded like in his voice, like, oh, I'm never going to say that I need rest, but essentially I need rest. That's what it felt like he was trying to say. And p- part of that rest is giving him time in the bullpen, but he just didn't have his command today, like at all. Um, walked two guys, gave up a single, and then Steven Wilson comes in. I was fine with him pitching, to be honest, um, because he hadn't pitched in a while. First time that he pitched com- uh, coming off the I.L., I was fine with that, wanted to get him some work before the All-Star break. But with Gore, I thought it would have just been best to shut him down through the All-Star break. Uh, Wilson walked his first batter, made it 2-0 Arizona. 
the Clev home run that he gave up, that was the uh, first run Arizona scored. And then Wilson walked his third batter. So it was a walkathon between Gore and Wilson. Bottom seven, Voight had the home run to left. Uh, home run for a second straight day made it 3-1. So that's all the Padres could muster. Um, 12 batters retired in a row at one point by Merrill Kelly. That was after Profar had that leadoff double in the third. Three runners were stranded. Uh, or Excuse me. Profar was stranded, and then three batters couldn't get him in, couldn't advance him even to third base. And then three more innings after that, no one got on base. Uh, so it's frustrating. It was a frustrating game. You win the first two games, and it's like, okay, this is great. You know, I'm happy. Series win. Uh, going into the All-Star break, especially going 5-13 and 13 in those last 18 games entering this series, it felt good. Uh, but when you lose this type of game, it, it brings those feelings back to, okay, well, this offense really, really needs to improve. And that's what I can start with. I mean, we'll talk about Friday and, Sat uh, and uh, Saturday's games, but right now they're 52-42, and 42, obviously. All-star break, so a lot of people are going to be, you know, evaluating this team, how they did in the unofficial first half of the season. Obviously, there's been more than 81 games, but this is kind of people, you know, the benchmarks before the all-star break, after the all-star break, how do you measure up? 52 and 42 right now are the Padres record, 10 games back in the National League West, only two games clear of the final wildcard spot. I believe it's Philly and St. Louis that are tied for that third wildcard spot right now. Uh, and then the Giants are only a half game back from that. Uh, and so when you look at the 52-42 and 42 record, there are definitely games when you, you know, cherry-pick games or nitpick games, if that's the phrase that it is, um, in this first half, unofficial first half of the season, where you could say, okay, the Padres should have won this game, should have won that game, should have won that game. Uh, you know, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Arizona on opening day, being up 6 nothing and losing, you know having three, or excuse me, two three-run leads against Colorado this past week, right? There's those games like that um, where, you know, the Padres' record could be 56-42 and 42 instead of, or, or excuse me, it would be 56-38 and what 38 instead of 52-42. and 42. That's where you could be disappointed. Uh, but being 10 games over 500 without Fernando, Pomerantz, Myers, and some other guys uh, as well, it's kind of like, okay, I, I'm kind of okay with it. Um, but I'm also looking at it as a fan and looking at it as uh, someone that watches every game and you're seeing, you know, it doesn't feel like the record right now is like, you know, it just doesn't seem like it reflects the struggles that this Padres team are, are going through right now and some of the holes that the Padres are going to have to fix before the trade deadline. And maybe that comes from internal options in the bullpen or with the offense, you go external and make some additions there. The MLB draft's going on right now. So AJ Preller and his staff is obviously focused on that. And then once Tuesday ends, which is the last day of the draft, I believe, today, Monday, Tuesday, uh, after Tuesday, then they're going to be focused fully on the trade deadline until August 2nd. So they'll have, what, a few weeks for that. Um, I'm not saying that they're not focused on it now. There's still, you know, pro scouting people that have been looking at it and, you know, Preller doesn't sleep. So he's, I'm sure he's looked over it, obviously. But the draft is a 
some would argue the most important day on a team's schedule. So that's what they're focused on. Their primary focus is what who the Potters are going to pick at 15 right now um, in a few moments, whenever that is. I'm just looking for updates. Uh, Brooks Lee out of Cal Poly was just picked eighth by the Twins. Trying to see if what other pick is going on right now. Uh, but that's what's happening right now. And we can get to uh, Friday and Saturday's game while these picks are coming in. Uh, but let me know your thoughts on this team right now. I mean, my immediate thought is this offense needs some upgrades, obviously. And, uh, you know, they, they need to keep playing STR Ruiz every day. They need to keep playing Nomar Mazar every day. And we'll see what Will can provide after the All-Star break. I mean, just look at these numbers. Four hitters in today's game for the Padres had OPSs of at least 720, which is pretty good. You want to be around 800, uh, but 720 is pretty good. Profar, Cronenworth, Manny, and then Mazzara, that's their top four hitters. So it's top heavy. And then after that, it's nothing. Uh, Manny's the only one with an OPS over 800. Uh, Nola, Grisham, Abrams, and Kim today had OPSs in the 600s after today's game. And in comparison, I mean, you know, I talked about that 800 number where the Padres only have one guy, Manny, with an OPS over 800. You can you go compare that to the Dodgers lineup from yesterday because they didn't play today, but yesterday's lineup. At the end of that game, they had five guys in their lineup with an OPS of at least uh, 800 compared to the Padres having one guy. And you can say that this division's out the window and you shouldn't be worried about the Dodgers right now, Ben. And I agree with that, but it's not like the Dodgers vanish and go away when the postseason comes. The Padres are going to have to get past them at some point, I would think, if they're going to want to go win the National League pennant and go to the World Series for the first time since 1998. you got to get past them. So you can't hide that fact. And you do have to compare to them because that's the, that's the elite of the National League. Um, and so, yeah, it's definitely concerning. And we'll see, you know, on August 2nd at, you know, 1.05 p.m. or whatever, a few minutes after the deadline's done, after the deadline's hit, we'll see who's in that lineup and see, you know, if we're compared a little bit better to the Dodgers or a little bit better to other teams in the National League like the Mets, those elite teams right now uh, in the National League. But that's my main concern is the offense. And then the bullpen, obviously, you know, I talked about earlier because of today's game with Gore. Uh, and Wilson having so many walks, really long inning there in that, what, seventh inning. Um, you know, Gore, I would think he's going to go back to the rotation after the All-Star break, and Steven Wilson, yeah, you can worry about him. Uh, but I, I, to be honest, you know, a big takeaway for me with this series is how well that Taylor Rogers has bounced back in Friday and Saturday's game. He pitched really well, didn't allow a run in this series on Friday, um, got the save, on three days rest, and then yesterday he had that one, two, three, uh, ninth inning. And I, so I already talked about Sunday's game, and we could talk about Saturday's game right now. You know, with Rogers getting that save. What happened before that? Well, Padres won four three. This, I mean, Manaya pitched better than what the box score is going to give. Uh, in the top of the fourth, he had a fly out to left, turn into a double, and then another run scored, or the first run of the game scored in that inning because Jerkson. Because uh, he missed that ball, that runner got on, and then he scores because Grisham messes up, 
and he gets caught in between on a liner singer, single to center field, gets caught in between, thinks about diving at first, and then he knows that he's not going to get it, and then it goes past him all the way to the wall. A run scores. That run should not have even been on the base pass if it wasn't for the unluckiness that Profar just didn't see the ball. You could say uh, that that run would have scored even if Grisham would have knocked it down or would have just fielded the ball on a single. But I think he would have had a at least competitive throw, you know, into the cutoff man or, or into home plate. And so I don't really want to count that run on Manai, even though it is earned. I think it's technically earned because Profar didn't touch the ball in left field when he lost it because he went in, didn't see it. Then he ran back. It was in there for a while because he almost caught it. So that was unfortunate. In the fifth, he did give up the home run to Carson Kelly, but he should have kind of only been charged by for like two runs there in that game. He pitched well. Grisham was on first with two outs in the bottom of the fifth. Matthew Batten popped up on a foul ball. So the Diamondbacks helped the Padres out as well defensively with some bonehead stuff. Dropped that pop-up foul. Landed in between a few Diamondbacks. And then on the next pitch, Matthew Batten lines that uh, first RBI uh, I think it was an RBI single down the right field line to score Grisham, or it was an RBI double, excuse me. That made it 3-1 Diamondbacks. Voigt had the big three-run home run in the sixth. That gave the Padres the lead, and then the bullpen shut it down from there. There were some nerve-wracking situations. I'll definitely say that. I mean, in the seventh, Grisham turned around two different ways, and the ball went over his head for a double. Uh, just, he's lost right now in center field. That's all I can say is he's just lost. Um, I didn't really have that feeling of being lost when I was playing. I'm not comparing, I don't want to compare myself to a major leaguer, but I did play center field uh, when I did play uh, for Helix uh, in high school. And um, again, I, I don't want to bash Trent because I'm never going to be in that position, but I never felt lost uh, where I was turning around twice and the ball goes over my head or I'm dropping pop-ups I didn't drop pop-ups, you know, like when I just can't imagine. My point is I can't imagine what he's going through when he's just he's mentally you're just mentally not there defensively. I haven't really been there um, when I played like defensively. I wasn't there because I, I didn't go through what he went through. So I can't really compare to that. Um, but, yeah, it's it's just a tough stretch for Trent. It's a tough stretch. This season, it's not a stretch. It's just he's not been great this season offensively. Uh, he's one of those OPSs that I believe are in the 600s right now. Um, and when the Potters acquired him, they wanted him, you know, they were leading him off in 2020. He was playing well. Hasn't really been the same. Um, he's hitting 190 right now. His OPS is 622. And that's not good. That is not good. You want your OPS to be like 800 around there. That's not even close nowhere close and so Estieri Ruiz has come up I thought he's played pretty well defensively hasn't looked lost really offensively he's hanging in there pretty well not striking out a ton and he should be the starting center fielder he just should uh the Mets just drafted Georgia Tech catcher Kevin Parada with the 11th pick so I believe it's the 12th pick that's coming up that's the latest update that I have. And so the Padres are a few picks away now from their first overall draft pick. Just a quick update there. Um, where was that? I was talking about Grisham. Yeah, he just he just looks lost. And, you know, in the seventh there, Garcia had to walk 
Um, they loaded the bases. The first guy he faced in that seventh inning. Then got the line out uh, to second to end the inning. That was kind of weird. Uh, it was batting, right? Second base. He was positioned perfectly for that. So I'm glad that he was uh, because that almost turned into uh, a loss for the Padres if that got past him because that might have been headed for the gap, if I'm being honest. Uh, and then the Rodgers got the one, two, three, uh, ninth inning, the save. I thought these last couple games, he's really um, located his pitches, his slider, his fastball. He's really located it much better uh, than, you know, the first, what, five appearances that he had in the month of July. So I think that's really, really encouraging. Uh, Tupac asks, Ben, I don't know what to think about them anymore. Are we overrating them? The Padres as a whole, I think, is what he's asking. Uh, I mean, I think we're being hard on them because they have players that are making a lot of money not producing. And I think as fans, we can do that. I don't think we're overrating them because I think in the back of our mind, we're trying to like tell ourselves that Tatis is coming back. And he's going to be like one of the saviors. And he should be because he's like an MVP, you know, candidate um, when he's healthy. But we're like counting so much on Fernando. And I feel like we're also saying we're going to go get an outfielder, a power outfield bat, a big bat. We're going to go get something. And so I think we're counting that in and we're, the bullpen reinforcements and this rotation's been good. And I feel like some fans, including myself, I'll put myself in it, we're probably like, you know, this team, we're still 10 games over without Tatis. There's still reinforcements coming. Like, brighter days are ahead. I think this team's still a really good team. That's my viewpoint on it. You know, I think some people might think we are overrating this team because they are looking at the games like today's game where the offense just can't get anything going. And you score one run off of the Diamondbacks, right? So. I think it's fair if you want to say that, you know, we're overrating the Padres. Okay. But I'm trying to, you know, have a more optimistic viewpoint. Optimistic that Ruiz will be playing every day, you know, come Friday when the Padres resume their schedule. And Mazar will be playing every day. And hopefully Myers can, you know, be healthy if he returns after the All-Star break. He's on a rehab assignment right now in Lake Elsinore. So that's how I'm thinking right now. Um... So just talked about Saturday's game. I thought Manaya that was a good start to have going into the All-Star break. He's going to give you a quality start, and that's what happened. Um, so they won 4-3. That was their last win before the All-Star break. On Friday was their second-to-last win before the All-Star break. They won 5-3. They are undefeated in their uh, City Connect uniforms. Darvish pitched. He gave up two home runs. But other than that, seven strong innings. Struck out nine guys. Uh, I, what I liked from this game, it was more the bottom of the lineup that was coming through. You know, the top of the order, I talked about it early in the episode. They're the one, it's top heavy. The first four guys, right? Um, Profar, Crony, Manny, and Mazzara, they're the ones with the OPSs, you know, in the 700s, 800 for one guy, Manny. But the bottom of the order, those, the 600 OPSs, they came through, you know, in the, in this game on Friday night. Uh, the seven, eight, nine hitters which was Nola. Well, Mazzara, uh, you know, he hit four today, which I like. He was hitting eighth in, on Friday night. 
I don't agree with that. He should be higher. But he was in the 7-8-9. But 7-8-9 on Friday, Nola Mazzara-Ruiz combined for four hits. Um, Ruiz, I think he drove in two. No, he might have drove in one. Nola, I think, was the one that drove in two with his single. Kim came through. Uh, there was another ground out that uh, brought in a run. I think that was on a double play. But I liked what I saw from the bottom of the order on Friday. Uh, obviously, that was kind of more like a one-off. Um, but yeah, the big takeaway was Darvish, how well he pitched. Martinez pitched the scoreless eight. I was kind of surprised that they brought in Rodgers. But yeah, Darvish and uh, Rodgers are the two big takeaways. One, because it was, it was kind of the start of Rodgers being confident again. I don't know if you guys heard that story, but on the broadcast, they were talking about how Taylor Rodgers like, got rid of all of his clothes because he wanted to get rid of the bad mojo. And he brought in new stuff, and he talked with Trevor Hoffman, and now he feels like he's pitching better, and he's getting back to who he was at the beginning of the year, locating pitches. Uh, the fastball, I thought, has looked good the last two outings, so I'm encouraged by that. So, I mean, there's not a whole lot to talk about about Friday's game because of, you know, it, it was really two main takeaways that I had. Darvish again and Rodgers. Um, let's see here. Just trying to go through the comments to see if we have anything needed to talk about. Yeah, Jaime says, uh, Hosmer out on home plate. That was bad. He's, yeah, he's talking about today's game. Yeah, um, you know, Hosmer's slow as heck. We know that. Him and Voigt are slow. Just go look at the Colorado game where Voigt tried to tag, and he was thrown out by a mile. And then today, where Hosmer tries running on a single do right. I mean, should he have been sent? Probably not. If you're just looking at it and answering the simple question of should he have been sent, not looking at like who's on deck or the situation. In terms of speed, should he, be, should have he been sent? No. But if you do look at the situation, and the only thing that you're doing right now in that inning is hitting singles, no power is coming. Profar is not a power bat. There's two outs. It's not a guarantee Profar is going to do anything. You send him. You take that risk. Maybe the right fielder makes a throwing mistake, and then Hosmer scores, right? Uh, but that's not what happened. Right fielder made a good throw. Osmer was easily thrown out, and that was the best scoring opportunity they had, not including, obviously, Voigt's home run. So, yeah, that was not good, not pretty. Um, but in those situations, like, it might be different if it was, like, Manny up next or Crony was up next or, um, you know, one of those guys ahead of Hosmer there, uh, or excuse me, behind Hosmer, hit a double instead of a single. Like, there was actually a power threat. But there wasn't. And so you kind of had to just try it because there was no guarantee that you were going to get Hosmer. Uh, you're not, you weren't going to give him, there's no guarantee you were going to give him a solid chance to score after that, you know, in that same inning. So that's kind of where I stand on that. Um, all right. So Friday they won, Saturday they won, Sunday. Today they lost. Uh, episode 199 came out on Saturday. Uh, just a reminder, that was about the Soto news, about how Juan Soto might get traded. Nationals are probably making him available uh, because they offered him $440 million 
I did see a report that they're going to offer him one more extension. And if they don't, then they'll probably trade him. If he's rejecting $440 million, I can't, like, I'm not going to think that he's all of a sudden going to just go accept their next offer, right? So they're going to bump it up from 440 to 500 all of a sudden. Maybe if they're that desperate, I don't know. But it seemed like, you know, he did not like the AAV 14 years, I think, or 15 years, 440. That's less than 30 million a year. And a player of Juan Soto's caliber, he should be making, he thinks, and a lot of people think, he should be making more than $30 million a year. But, I mean, $440 million, I'm not in that situation. Of course, I'd probably be accepting that. But if I was Juan Soto, maybe I wouldn't be because I would know that I'm going to get $500 million free agency. So maybe that's what he's thinking. Um, but yeah, with, with the Padres potentially trading for him, they're a fit because they have the prospects. But I just... It feels like Preller might like be really desperate and trade for Soto and give up like Gore Abrams Hasselwood. Like I've been seeing that a lot. Like and in, in the trade proposal, the hypothetical that I put in episode 199, I included, I believe, Merrill, Hassel, and Abrams, and then a couple other guys, some major league guys as well. So you can check that out. But I didn't include all of those guys. Like, if it was all of those guys, you're literally depleting your entire farm system. Like, the main guys. That's not going to set up well for the future, you know? Um, and I know you're trying to win right now, and two and a half pennant races of Juan Soto is very appealing. But there, there's still other players out there. You can have Robert the third come up next year if you, um, if you need him to. If he's ready, he, he hit in the Futures game yesterday as the number two batter, I believe. Had a single. I think drove in a run. Uh, so he might be available next year. You can have Tatis play the outfield if you need him to this year. Um, I'm in on Soto. I want the Padres to acquire Soto. But if it means giving up you know, your entire farm system, I don't think that's the smartest thing to do. You know? So... Let me know your thoughts. And if you have any thoughts on Soto, let me know. As I look at the draft, what's going on with the draft right now. So last time I saw they were at like the 12th pick. I'm trying to look at the beat writers. Now I have to go to the tra the draft tracker. Because nothing's loading. Okay, so at 11, the Mets picked Kevin Parada, the catcher out of Georgia Tech. At 12, the Tigers picked Jace Jung, the second baseman out of Texas Tech. And then at 13, like right now it seems like, uh, the Angels picked Shortstop Zach Neto. So the Padres are two picks away. And I would, it feels like all signs are pointing to them picking Dylan Lesko, the high schooler who's already had Tommy John surgery. 
And I think one of the guys I was listening to today, one of the guys said that um, Lesko's like the number one, he might be the number one guy on the on his board if he didn't get hurt. So maybe the Padres are going to go with that young arm and take that kind of risk on that. But it, maybe it would consider me a little bit if um, no one else is picking him. If he's supposed to be that good. I mean, Rocker went at three, and he's supposed to be really good. So why would why is why are teams not picking him? You know, that's I guess that's the only thing that would kind of concern me. Jaime says, agree, not worth it, about the Soto deal. Uh, Manny says, trade the farm. If we get him, we're immediate contenders. Well, I think we already are contenders, like if Preller makes a move before the trade deadline. And getting Tatis back, I, that's, that's obviously huge. Sorry, my voice like sucks today. Yeah, Justin says Padres have to stop the what ifs and just go for it. I, I understand that. Um, I want them to win too. I want them to win right now as well. And this might be the Padres, or at least Preller's, best chance to win with this rotation that he has. But we know that AJ Preller loves the prospects and he is a scout at heart. And scouts usually like sticking with their guys and not trading for other guys. You know? They want to be right. So maybe that's an issue. Has the next pick came in yet? Trying to see here. Not yet. It feels like Dylan Lesko would be the pick. While we're waiting, because I, I wanted to be live when this pick is made. While we're waiting, let me know in the chat your guys' thoughts uh, on the first kind of first half of this year. You know, the, the unofficial first half. I'm watching it on MLB Network right now. The Mets pick is in at 14. So the Padres pick is next. After the Mets selection is unveiled. I don't think I could put the volume on because I'd probably get in trouble with like copyrights or whatever. Sharing stuff. Rob Manfred's coming out for the Mets pick, number 14. And let's see. All right. The Mets just went with Jet Williams, a shortstop, Rockwell Heath High School in Texas. No idea what where that is, but they went with a shortstop at 
14. So the Padres can pick Dylan Lesko if they want to. So we will see. Padres have three minutes to get their pick. Padres are on the clock. There haven't been that many pitchers picked. <clears throat> Two minutes and 30 seconds left until the Padres pick. JD's Third says, congrats on 1,000 subscribers, Ben. Where can we send Super Chats? I appreciate that. YouTube is has to, like, approve it right now. I filled that out this morning, so I'll let you guys know when I when you guys can do that. I probably should get an email about it sometime this week. Wolfpack says, draft a first baseman, call him up, and send Hosmer packing. <laughs> you're not going to draft a first baseman and just have him come right up. I know you're joking, I would think. <clears throat> but yeah, I know our fan base doesn't like Hosmer. I don't like him either. I would love to have Cronenworth be playing first base, and you have Kim and Abrams play second and short. Uh, or when Tatis comes back, you have Abrams play second, and you have Crony play first. But well, because I'll answer it right there. You say why not? Because teams don't think that these guys right out of the draft are ready. Padres have minute and fifteen seconds left before their draft pick. And right after the draft pick, I'll probably end it. Really short episode because there's just not a ton to talk about right now. Uh, you know, the Juan Soto news kind of took over this weekend, and I already did an episode on that. And this series against the Diamondbacks, three games. I like what I saw from Darvish, Rogers, uh, Ruiz. Those were the main uh, takeaways. But the same story, it's the same story. The offense needs upgrades. It needs to improve. That's the story. You can only say that too much, or so much. So the Padres, 30 seconds left. And it looks like MLB Network's going to break. Of course they are. Come on. ESPN has it. Let me see if they... So ESPN's on. So the Padres have their pick in, I assume. Cleveland is after the Padres, and then it's Philly at 17. It just feels like right now the Padres... I'd be surprised, I guess, if they go with up the middle someone. If they do, maybe that means that they're, you know, going to trade, you know, Abrams or something, and they're trying to get another middle infielder who would be ready. ESPN's doing an interview with Jet Williams, who they just picked. The Mets just picked, so they're not broadcasting that. It would, I would think that Rob Manfred's just waiting till MLB Network comes back and then they'll pick him. 
The Nationals picked Elijah Green at five, by the way. Jacob Berry went six to the Marlins. Uh, seven was Cade Horton, Oklahoma. Rocker went third. Drew Jones went second. Brooksley went eighth uh, to the Twins out of Cal Poly. Uh, and the first overall pick was uh, Matt Holliday's kid, Jackson Holliday. Gavin Cross went to, uh, went to the Royals out of Virginia Tech. Padres pick is in. Just waiting, coming back from the commercial. Angels went with Zach Nato at 13. Jet Williams just picked by the Mets at 14. So the Padres can get Dylan Lesko if they want to. We'll see. Thanks, everyone, for bearing with me, by the way. I know I'm dragging this on, um, but they're taking a while to get the Padres picking. Dylan Lesko, if you want some background on him, he's out of Georgia. He's 18. He's committed to Vanderbilt, but he's going to go to whoever drafts him, I would think. Um, in 2021, he had a .35 ERA with 112 strikeouts uh, before he had that Tommy John surgery in early April. He tops out at like 97 with his fastball, just looking at the scouting reports. His changeup looks like his best pitch, just 70 grade, so above average, projecting for major league talent. All right, MLB Network's back. Padres pick is in at 15, and we'll see where they go with it. Padres have the 39th pick after this, and then the 53rd. I'm not going to be on during those, don't worry. Um... But you can go look that up, I'm sure. Freddie Freeman was just added to the all-star roster for the Dodgers. Just saw that come across Twitter. Padres pick is in. They're still talking. Dan O'Dowd's just talking on MLB Network about A.J. Preller and his risk management, and that's what the draft's about. He's not afraid to take risks. Harold Reynolds is talking about Dylan Lesko. He seems like he's like literally the only name that I'm hearing. Uh, let's see what's going on in the comments here. Anything? Yeah, that's a good, you know, Manny says, who do the Nationals want? That's who we should draft. Yeah, I mean, look, if they want to make a trade, sure. Um, but it, 
haven't the Nationals already picked? Like, they weren't very good last year. All right, here's Rob Manfred coming to the stage. Here we go. Yep. Padres got Dylan Lesko. Padres have just picked Dylan Lesko. All right. Yeah, so I just gave the scouting report earlier. Padres have got a young pitcher who might be the best pitcher in the draft, according to some. Committed to Vanderbilt, 6'2", 195, right-hander. Uh, just had Tommy John surgery, so he's probably not going to be available till next year. But he had a .35 ERA with over 100 strikeouts in 60 innings in 2021. Um, Gatorade National Baseball Player of the Year in 2021. Dominant senior season. So, um, yeah, he, he looks like the real deal. Maybe it's a risk, you could say, because of the Tommy John. But I hope that the Padres, you know, they did their research on the guy, right? And I'm sure they scouted him a lot. And this... It's not a surprise. He's the it was him or Rocker, and Rocker was picked at three. And Lock or excuse me, and uh Lesko went all the way down to fifteen. And that's the name that the Padres were rumored to get all the way through. So that's exactly what happened. Not a surprise. And we'll see when he comes up or if he comes up at all. Uh it'll be years down the road, obviously. But I'm excited to see this guy pitch uh, at some point. So we'll see. Maybe he'll be pitching with Mackenzie Gore. Um uh, you know, in 2025 or whatever. So we'll see. All right. This will do it. Episode 200 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show presented by Gaglin Bros, famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries. I'm Ben Fadden, your host, signing off. Thanks so much for listening and watching. I know this was a weird one because I was just kind of stalling until the Padres made their draft pick. Kind of weird timing there. Uh, but all-star breaks coming up. Needed rest for the players. And I'll talk to you guys later. See ya.